0: Welcome to Diversify the Stand. Together we build a community to listen and learn from the stories and experiences of passionate musicians. I'm Carrie Blosser. And I'm Ashley Killam. In our second season, we talk with musicians, performers, educators, historians, and entrepreneurs to expand how we think of the music we perform and follow non-traditional career paths. Episode 12 is a rerun from a panel that I moderated for Rising Tide Music Press's Summer Symposium this past July. The panel was titled Diversifying Your Stand and the panelists included four incredible trumpet players with a wide range of backgrounds. So the four panelists are Estella Aragon, Marcus Grant, both of whom you have already heard in previous podcast episodes, Ashley Hall and Chloe Swindler. So this chat was just too good not to share with the world. So please enjoy um, our panel from this past summer. So I'd like to just have each of you three introduce yourselves and then we can get started. I can start. Hi, I'm Ashley Hall and I'm on the trumpet faculty
1: at the Longy School of Music of Bard College. And I also manage um, our career coaching program, which is a program that's designed to really help raise students' agency and sense of autonomy and choice in who they are, what they value, and how they might really take those things and create something that's really unique and powerful in the world. So Longy is a school that's committed to the intersection of social justice and music. And so that's the work that I get to do, and there's a lot of facets to it, but that's a little bit about me. Happy to be here.
2: I'll go next. Sorry, Marcus. know you're fine. Uh, All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Chloe Spindler, and I am a freelancer out here in Los Angeles. Um, I just finished up a few years ago at the Yale School of Music with my Master of Music. And now I'm uh, finishing the last year of my doctorate out here at UCLA. And in the fall, I will be taking over for one semester for James Ford at Cal State LA. So I'm very excited to be having my first uh, teaching job. And um, at the moment, working on my dissertation, working as a booking agent for the Rodney Marsalis Philadelphia Big Brass. And um, I think that's, that's all for now. So I'm gonna hand it over to Marcus.
3: And I'm Marcus Grant. Um, I am a professional composer, arranger, um, uh, performer, and content creator. Um, the biggest part of my business and brand right now is, um, is built on um, the idea of exploring ways that you can um, grow and develop your business online, um, how you can utilize the uh, social media algorithms of, uh, of different websites to, um, to help you find your audience, communicate with the audience, and connect with your audience uh, in a way that uh, sort of uh, takes the gatekeeping away of finding your voice. Um, I do a lot of, uh, of stuff, uh, especially for trumpet ensemble. Uh, it makes it easier because I could do multi-tracks of them and I can record my own works and works of other individuals as well. Um, and um, with that has come a lot of uh, video production training and business training as well. Um, it's been a really fun ride. I've, I've done uh, quite a bit of teaching, but uh, especially uh, as of the past year, uh, we've done uh, plenty of uh, of, uh, of video producing and that side of things. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Um, so to start, What we always ask, Carrie and my big question at the end of every single podcast, and I know Marcus knows this, is we ask, how are you diversifying your stand? And that could be like physical music stand or, you know, the metaphorical stand of what steps are you doing today or this week to just, you know, increase your awareness, increase inclusion in everything you do. I can uh, start us
2: off here uh, by answering that question. So um, in the physical aspect, I'll mention some of two of these pieces because there are trumpet players in the the room and there may be other people interested as well. Um, There is this piece by Hale Smith called Exchanges um, for solo trumpet and concert band. Um, That's one of the pieces that um, over the next couple of months that I'll be continuing to shed. And then another is this uh, anthology of art songs by Black American composers. This has great um, pieces in here. It has the full piano score and and the parts. Um, So these are you know, vocal works, but they transfer over well for solo instrument with accompaniment. So these are two, I mean, there's probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 pieces in here. So these are great, you know, two to three minute works that you can put on a recital for an opener, closer, you know, whatever um, sort of short needs you might have for that. So those are two sort of physical ones. And then in terms of the more general you know, stand, um, part of what I'm excited for is, um, I'm here working on my dissertation and part of that has involved um, understanding black women's music, black American music, the underlying history of that, and then also how that relates to trumpet music. And so for me, my focus, hi (laughs) Estella, my focus over the next year, as I complete this last year of my dissertation is focused on the topic of um, compositions for trumpet by black female composers. So at the International Trumpet Guild Conference next year in May, so the end of May, um, I will be presenting my research um, for a lecture presentation called Works for trumpet by Black female composers. So, um, in our repertoire currently, not, no music exists um, in the standard canon, especially really of Black composers in in um, in the trumpet world. But especially, you know, there are very few women composers, and then also um, even scarcer for women of color. So, I'm those. You know, those are some of the initiatives that I'm I'm really excited to to keep moving towards. It was nice too. I just did my first um, doctoral recital. Uh, a couple of months ago and that was all works by women of color and part of the difficulty for me was uncoupling this concept of uh, like high art music um, and what's expected of this like classical idiom of um, these great classics that were expected to perform. And it was actually a very difficult conversation for me to have with myself of Am I going to be worthy of receiving, you know, this Doctor of Musical Arts degree if I am not, you know, recording or working, you know, on these three years uh, that I have for this program on strictly standard repertoire? And so for me, you know, my half of my recital, I'm also a, a jazz guitarist and vocalist, was a mix of recording those with trumpet and, you know, making arrangements of pieces by, by popular music artists as well. And that's a whole other chasm of, you know, of uh, classism within being able to discriminate against popular music and and create those barriers from popular music and and classical music. So um, these are just some of the conversations that I have with my students, that I have with my colleagues, mentors, other faculty, uh, and bringing people into the conversation is a super important part of that as well. So those are some of the things I've been up to.
1: I can jump in next. Um, And hi, (laughs) Estella. Um, so some ways that I'm diversifying my stand right now um, on like a, just a practical musical um, way, I'm creating a concert in Cincinnati for a brass quintet um, at the Taft Museum to celebrate the 200th anniversary of this museum that was formerly a house and now it's a, um, an art gallery and I've been doing some research about the different art pieces and realized that one of the first and most prolific artists that was um, an African-American has these amazing landscapes murals all throughout the museum and so I'm trying to think about ways that we can both bring in um, really amazing new compositions that I didn't have never played before and really celebrating this rich um history that um that we have with both the art and the musical side so um because of Ashley Killam I have amazing resources at my disposal so I sent her an email and she sent me a whole list of resources and so some of the pieces that I currently am in the process of kind of Thinking through the flow, our William Grant Still has a couple of amazing brass quintets. All That I Am and his Folk Suite for Brass Quintet are some things that are going to be on the program. In addition to, I think, um, when I I basically ordered like all of William Grant Still's music, and then when they sent me the music, they were like, sorry, we didn't have this one, but here's David Wilborn's Escapades. And it turns out this piece is so cool. You should totally go on YouTube and listen to it. It's amazing. So we're putting that um, as the opener on the second half. And then I got um, some pieces by Kate Mishimura. The um, Valley Views is so beautiful and expansive, especially with this landscape idea. Um, Xiao Qian has a really amazing piece that celebrates the um, intersection of Asian art and um, kind of both European and Asian-influenced music styles. And it's called Night Shining White, and that's going to be on the program. So those are some things that I'm kind of musically thinking about right now. And then in my own work... Well, in my own personal work, I am um, being just deeply impacted by Isabel Wilkinson's book, Cast. It's the best book I've ever read. Um, And if you haven't read it, it was one of Oprah's um, book choices, New York Times bestseller. And it's uh, some of the best writing on um, the the systems of oppression that we have... um, had seen is that exists in this country um and i've never seen it spelled out quite this way um so i I am grappling with new things every day through this book um i'm also simultaneously reading austin channing brown's um incredible book i'm still here black dignity in a world made for whiteness and that's um blowing my mind and um so that's some work that i'm doing personally And then um, at Longy, I'm always thinking about diversity in a lot of different spaces. Um, And so one of the things that I do is I... um run a speaker series called the Multifaceted Career and the idea with the speaker series is that we want to be thinking about our careers in a very expansive way and for too long I feel like music conservatories have sort of given us this like narrow myopic like you will either play in an orchestra or you will be a soloist or you will teach at a college level and we haven't been thinking more broadly and expansively about who we are what we value and what we might contribute and so i've really been wanting to give weekly examples um, of people who are who are living out this expansive narrative and so with that comes diversity in terms of scope in terms of careers in terms of race in terms of all of it Um, So I'm booking my series for next year right now. Aaron Dworkin is gonna be my lead speaker. He's the co-founder of the Sphinx organization, which hopefully all of you have heard of. Um, He's my first speaker and is probably as multifaceted as it comes. Um, A couple of other people on next season, Portia Dunkley is this amazing um, black bass player from Miami who started this really cool mobile um, violin teaching uh, unit that goes around into underserved communities and gives lessons it's called Teeny Violini it's so cool we're doing a bunch of stuff around like culturally responsive pedagogy and so I've got um, Angelina Angelica Cortez the new CEO interim CEO um, of El Sistema um, International or I don't know, one of them, um, and um, Monique Von Willing, who's our the new DE&I uh, leader at NEC, um, just really thinking as expansively as we can about what does culturally responsive pedagogy mean in music education space, in um, the way that we teach at a conservatory level, just all of it. So those are some things that I'm thinking about currently in these different spheres in my own life.
3: I almost don't even want to add anything. I, that, that's, that's so great. You know, like, like I, I almost just want to kind of sit and, and kind of take in um all all that you guys just said. Um also hi Estella. <laughs> um yeah, so uh I, I have a unique perspective as a as a as a composer and a performer. Um, uh, you know, I, I get to be on on uh, on both sides of the stand, so to speak. And and I have to say, as a composer, uh oftentimes um, when I think about diversifying my stand, what I'm really doing is diversifying the stands of my audience, people who are um, who are reading music, looking for things, etc. Um, I mentioned that from a consecration standpoint, I, I do stuff of my own, but I also do uh, do stuff of others. So I've, I've gone out of my way, especially over the past year or so, um, to just go and seek some of the works that are out there that haven't been performed um, some of them are our original compositions uh i've actually got one coming out in in, uh, in the coming weeks uh on my channel on youtube uh, and then some of them are arrangements but they just don't find their way around uh the repertoire you know i, I think it's a it's a, it's a shame i, I had a, a a distinct honor and privilege, uh, privilege to to be interviewed on uh the first season of, of diverse by the stand and um uh, one of the things that I, that i mentioned is just that you know um how great our standard repertoire is, but we get to the point where we where it feels like it's not great because you hear it all the time. You know, it's like you um, you pop on your your whatever your favorite radio station is, and uh, you hear a particular artist uh, six times on the car ride to McDonald's, and suddenly they're not your favorite artist anymore because you've heard it all, the entire time. And you know what uh, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of times we go to um, uh to to schools and conservatories etc and um you know there's a reason why our standards are standards but they're sometimes just absolutely beat to the ground uh, so uh, a, a lot of what i tried to do in my work is to take those uh those works that are obviously very well done but we just haven't gotten used to looking outside um, of our standard repertoire to do that Uh, from a compositional standpoint, some examples uh, that I've done, uh, I've uh, put together uh, right now a piece that's uh, currently in review to be published, uh, an arrangement of uh, Daft Punk medley by Pentatonics for trumpet ensemble. And a lot of people don't think, oh, Daft Punk for trumpet ensemble, that that doesn't work. No, it totally works. (laughs) It totally works. Um, Video game soundtracks, movie soundtracks, um, anime opening you know, and everything in between. Um, I've just really gotten into it and in, and in fact, uh, and on on my website, I've, I've uh, started to put together a lot of those and, and release them. Um, you know, oftentimes when I put a, a new piece up um, you know I do I do what most people do and you put the big shiny you know new letters right beside the repertoire. In it, and I realize I have like five or six or seven uh, right now that's that's about to be published on on my website. and it's all things like that, things you wouldn't expect. For a trumpet ensemble, as well as things uh, from uh, uh, from individuals you're not typically used to. Uh, you know, Chloe mentioned how incredibly small our um, African American community is of composers, and how incredibly small our um, uh, community of female composers uh, are. And um, uh, I, I can tell you guys from experience of my research, especially you know um, uh, listening to some some of the works that are out there by um by composers who are women, um just some great, fantastic, beautiful, colorful um pieces of music that are out there that just never get played. <laughs> it's a it's a real big shame and 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 we'll we'll be changing that here. but um, but yeah, from a composing standpoint, I, I, I put a lot of my effort towards um, trying to to seek out those works, expand on those works. Um, if they aren't originally for trumpet, uh, I arrange them for trumpet, and then I like to always um, uh, put those links in, and uh, and 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 send those to uh, to the original works and support those people as well, um, and um, kind of get uh, not necessarily get rid of, but transition into this idea that. Um, If music is good music, then it is worth being performed. And it could be the same thing that you've heard, you know, 400 times, or it could be something that you've never heard for this ensemble um, or for this instrument or whatever the case may be. Um, But it works perfectly well. It challenges you in many of the same ways and it helps you grow as a musician, as a player, as an educator, um, and as a um, in some cases as a uh, producer in, in uh, you know, if you, if you explore along those, those realms. So anyway, that's a little bit of how I'm diversifying my stand.
0: That's so great. I was just thinking that a whole other panel could be what is good music, what makes something good. Um, and then we have our fourth guest here, uh, Estella. Hi. <laughs> uh, could you give a little introduction to yourself. And then um, what we were just talking about, our first question that I know you answered on the podcast. But how are you diversifying your stand, either physical stand or metaphorical stand?
4: Cool. Well, hi, everybody. Um, sorry I was late today. The first lesson I'm going to teach you guys today is know how to change your own car tire. It's very important. Um, so, uh, well, I'm Estella Aragon. I'm based out of uh, Austin, Texas. I run a private studio called Music Fit Academy since 2014. And then since 2015, I run um, THQ, which is TrumpetHeadquarters.com, which is a heavy trumpet resource website that I made to kind of try to combat all the trumpet disease on the internet. And um, did I just call it disease? I did definitely call it disease. Um, and it also houses my uh, new trumpet online course, which I am still developing and um, working on as we speak. Um, so how do I diversify my stand? I've actually started working on, on some new things um, in the past couple of months uh, before life decided to throw everything at me. Um, but one thing I started doing was I, I have a lot of private students, I teach all the time, so my work entails teaching privately, um, teaching online through my Trump Quarters forum uh, with uh, about 70 students right now um, who communicate with me via the the student forum. Um, and those are all self, self-paced lessons. So they just kind of send me videos and ask me questions. And they talk amongst themselves about artists they're listening to and pl- things they're playing and things like that. Um, and then I do a lot of content creation because I create videos and lessons and things like that. So my private students, my oldest is about 76, but my youngest right now is about six. I've had kids as young as four, and usually my young students are between five and nine or so. So one thing I started doing a couple months ago was um, once a month, we'll just talk about who is a classical player uh, with, you know, with, with the little ones, and who is um, a jazz player and what they're supposed to look like. So uh, first I just kind of do, it's not like a test, but I kind of just see where they stand and what their views are. Um, so for example, the, the first one would just be something like, I'll just pull up some pictures and it's funny because Chloe, you're actually one of the pictures. Um, and I'll just pull it up and be like, okay, so this is Chloe. Do you think Chloe plays jazz or do you think she plays classical music? You know, And it's just, it's the look and the idea that Uh, dark skinned people are jazz players or, you know, Latin players and things like that. So sometimes I'll get some really young kids that are, that are just like, I guess she could play anything, you know? And that's like the Holy grail, right? So um, if they respond like, oh, she definitely plays jazz. Then I'll ask why I have gotten the response because she's black. And then I'll just be like, well, newsflash she actually plays classical music and then we'll go on and try to to talk about and find um a lot of other classical players that are black um not just women also men and um and then you know i just kind of work with them to try to shift that mindset um a lot of the projects that i do are long term monumental sort of things. And so I need some things in my life that are just more actionable, um, where I'm seeing the change as as we're going. And so I focus a lot of my um like diversity in my work and things like that. So working with them because I you know that could just change someone's mind so much, especially with my black students, because they're sometimes feel limited. Um And uh, so, yeah, things like that. Then on my Trumpet quarters forum, there's a lot of discussion on there about what what I'm playing and who I'm listening to. And it's mostly white men, you know, that they're listening to and playing. And so I'm consistently throwing in there. But have you heard of so-and-so? And And check out this video here, Um, Marcus. And um, so, you know, it's stuff like that. And so I'm sort of hoping that I'm throwing in the seeds sporadically and spraying them with a little water and hopefully they're gonna grow and do something with that um some other things i'm working on um i have this very very talented um black student and uh we're working really hard to try to get him a scholarship into Interlochen. um interlaken as we know is a music very popular music program uh with some summer stuff they have the trumpet institute over the summer um and it's usually like 95% white if not 100 most of the time um, i've had several students go there and always get pictures and stuff like that and so I really want to put my black kid in there because I know that's going to change that's going to change his mind about stuff it's going to change everything that you know he thinks is possible um, and so I've been just working my kids really hard on that front um, and then finally something for the future I want to do another panel I did um I did i invited some uh black women trumpet players brass players because we had Shanice who plays horn um last summer to talk to my kids and do some private one-on-ones i want to do something sort of similar but i'm going to do an event for trumpet headquarters it's going to be women only of uh with a lot of diversity um so that's just another project i have in the works
0: that's awesome so exciting my question for you all is when we're thinking about just everything in terms of you know creating content in terms of lessons in terms of these events we're putting on with all of that what things do you personally think of to cultivate an inclusive space maybe that's language maybe that's People you bring in. Um, what are some things that you think about that you could pass on to others to just keep in mind and consider as we, you know, move forward in all of our spaces?
2: Yeah, I can definitely uh, start us off here. I love to talk so much, so I'm gonna try and keep it all condensed. Um, I love having these conversations, and I'm so happy to just be listening to everything that you guys are talking about. I mean, it's really inspiring me. I'm writing all of these pieces and, and things down, so can uh, have these afterwards for myself too. Um, So in terms of cultivating an inclusive space, I think um, one of the most helpful things that I've had is the experience of teaching in schools. So when I was at Yale, I was a teacher for the um, Music in Schools Initiative, which sends us as Yale master students out into the New Haven community and we give lessons for free to students in the Greater New Haven Public School District. Um, and that for me was really enlightening because the students that I worked with um, New Haven is fairly segregated in some parts of it. so when I was teaching um, at uh, one of the schools, it was a ninety nine percent black community school, and so the majority of my students were black female middle schoolers and um, you know part of what I had to think about was uh, when I came in for lessons, this was also the the poorest um, Performing school in the district um, for academics, and so music wasn't really you know a focus for for the school. It wasn't really well funded. A lot of the instruments didn't really um, work. The valves didn't you know work. Uh, things like that. So we were battling against you know not enough funding, not enough time with the teacher to begin with, um, not enough you know resources, physical like copies of music and instruments that worked. So um, to even you know have not the first foot. Uh, not the first leg up, you know, you're starting from the bottom trying to 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 help that. And part of uh, what I learned from these lessons was, you know, sometimes it wasn't about the trumpet. It was also about making a space where the, the students I was working with felt comfortable talking to me about what was happening within their lives. Um, we started every one of our lessons off with a few minutes of meditation. It's one of the things I realized is most of my students, when I asked them, you know, we took a, I took a brass pedagogy class when I was in an undergrad, and one of the things that our teacher said is the first lesson you ask and kind of get a survey of what resources the students have. Do they have access to a practice room at home? Do they have access to an instrument they can actually take home? You know, is it loud in their house? Are they allowed to practice? All of these things. And so when I asked them, they, you know, mentioned they had multiple siblings, they would come home. They didn't have their own room. They couldn't practice, you know, by themselves. Um, And practicing at home usually meant taking the trumpet on the bus. Sometimes they would forget it, all of these things. So I guess part of, you know, cultivating an inclusive space for me means recognizing the background that my students come from, the resources that they have and don't have and how I can help them have a leg up. And so, I just taught for the past week at um, the LA Phil's Youth Orchestra Los Angeles uh, program as the trumpet faculty. So all the students were students of color, Um, they were high schoolers about to be seniors ready to go off into the world and some of them wanted to be musicians, go to music school, some of them did not, um, wanted to do it as a minor or hobby. And part of what I compiled for them was every resource that I could possibly find, because most of them, you know, didn't have private lesson students. They were part of a community program where they would get group lessons. But I made sure that I found, you know, I included in a drive specifically for them, you know, the stamp book, the Clark book, like some of the fundamental books that we have. I made detailed notes and walked through with them. We had two hours every day and showed them this is how you practice this on your own. And all of those things are recorded. I made it in a Google document. I sent it to you, Ashley. (laughs) Um, We talked about this, but, you know, making sure that they had the resources that I had access to, um, just having that. And in addition, as I cultivate, you know, an inclusive space as I think of materials that I'm teaching, it's not just music. I think that, you know, we need to start, that we need to be teaching students as I'm trying to think about going forward. And, you know, especially being a college educator um, students really need to also know about personal finance, about music business. I just started my LLC, Gold Coast Artists LLC, um, and you know, understanding more about how the music industry works and your place within it as well. Um, you know, it's not enough these days to simply know how to play excerpts or play a solo or you know, perform. Um, marketing yourself. Uh, being professional in professional spaces, um, all of that stuff is super important. So as I'm cultivating this inclusive space, I'm also thinking about you know the materials that I'm teaching. It's not just music, but life skills that go along with it. You know, have you started a Roth IRA? Have you started saving? You know, how are you thinking about your finances because those affect your life as a musician. So I'm really trying to think holistically and especially also think of you know what are things that it's assumed students know. Um, that you can't assume that everyone knows that, or you can't assume that everyone comes from the same background and has these understandings. So um, in terms of that, you know, that's one of the main things that I've been focusing on. So
3: I would really love to chime in a, a little bit on that, just because I think it's so powerful. Uh, the, the importance, first of all, of um, uh, teaching the human, Right, you know, and and in um, many of our in, in our cases, you know, we're we're trumpet players, and, and as as uh, as educators, we can be teaching trumpet players, but really, we're teaching individuals who have passions, um, who have dreams, who have desires, um, and uh, they're looking to achieve those dreams and desires, even if it has nothing to do with music. Um, you know what they do in uh, in in the time that they spend um, with us as individuals, uh, professionals in the business, or friends or colleagues, whatever the case may be. Um, it helps them to be able to open the door, um, and sometimes you know, literally open the door to their dream job, uh, but sometimes open the door of their minds to the possibilities and the things that uh, that that can be done. Um, in terms of uh, inclusivity, that's kind of uh, the biggest part of my work. I, I, I've, I've done a lot of teaching. Um, I spent five years teaching at uh, two different colleges and universities um, and, um, and uh, also taught students uh, as young as six. Um, so Stella has me beat on that. Um, and as old as 76, <laughs> um, but um, but it's just very um, it's just very fascinating. you 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 work with individuals of all ages, and they have this preconceived notion of what they can do, what they're capable of, and what they have permission to do. And um, you think, well, I don't have these resources, therefore, I can't accomplish this goal. Or, you know, I want to be a professional musician, and therefore, these three opportunities are the three opportunities that are available for me. I have to play in a symphony orchestra, or I have to be a band director, or I have to play in a military band, and there's no other jobs out there for music. And, and just kind of getting people to open their minds, and sometimes, you know, you, you run into a student um, who um, really wants to do music for a living, but they want to be um, a Broadway artist. And they just don't know that they can do that for a living, one, and two, they're told in um, and, um, and a lot of this uh, conversation that maybe they're not ready or prepared or they don't have the resources to do that. And um, it's all a fallacy because at the end of the day, when we teach the human, um, what you need is the passion and the skills, and you can develop the passion and the skills um, in order to do anything. Um, As a content creator, I I almost make it a point. The only thing that I've kind of splurged on uh, is my microphone, Uh, my, my microphone I received recently, and it is a fantastic microphone. I do video editing on free editing software. I do mixing and mastering on free software. And when I started school, for nine years, I performed on a one hundred dollar J.C. Penny manufactured trumpet from a pawn shop. I got into college with it, um, and it's one of those things that you know we 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 seem we we think that you know, um, and a lot of times it's it's especially important for these people in those socioeconomic backgrounds or uh, in areas and schools etc. where um, music is not a priority, where they're not able to uh, have access to those to, to those levels of equipment to think. Well, I just I just can't do this. But the reality is, you can. <laughs> you just need the skills. And my um, my my former teacher Rex Richardson. Um, I, I I met him obviously before auditioning for VCU for my undergraduate degree in music education. Um, and he looked at me and he went, man, yeah, that's a really rough instrument. And then he picked it up and he still sounded like Rex Richardson. And then he ha- handed it back to me. I was like, yeah, man, that's rough. You need a new trumpet. Um, and it was just really, really funny to, to kind of see that experience and, and to know, hey, it didn't hold him back. Um, and it, it was a very valuable lesson because um, I I realized at that age, and I still teach this to my students as well, um, you can accomplish those goals. You can create your identity. You can make uh, a career as a professional in any craft uh, if you build those skills. Um And I find a lot of times in my personal experience, a whole bunch, everyone has different experiences, but um, those students of color that I teach and those students of different gender identities um, will, um, will realize uh, whether I preach it to them or not, that I'm going to support them in their goals, no matter what. And if they're experiencing issues where they're being discriminated against, or they're experiencing uh, instances where they just don't feel comfortable in a space to really follow their passions. They know that when they walk in through that door to to meet with me, that all changes. They're able to do that, they're comfortable and we prepare those individuals to walk into those other areas where they maybe feel less uncomfortable and be less apologetic because it's their passion, it's their dream, it's their goal, whether or not they have what they might think that they need, what they really need again is that passion. And uh, as long as they have that passion, they're willing to achieve those goals.
1: It's so good. I was going to jump. Oh, sorry. I'll be quick. I mean, just the thing that I was thinking about as Marcus and Chloe were talking to to think about this, teaching the whole human and this idea of non-assumption in terms of inclusive space. There's these three essentials that I learned in my coaching training that I think are so helpful in the way that we engage as educators in the music space. And that's we assume that each person is capable and whole we assume that each person has their own answers and our job is to ask not tell and if we can create this environment where we ask open ended questions where we're curious about other people where we we build partnerships and not hierarchies where we ask what are your what are your pronouns what do you what do you want to be called like ask be curious then when you create these spaces for conversations like like my speaker series and and you watch artists and be human they are grappling they're figuring out their place they're figuring out what does it mean for me to be transgender male in the opera world what would it mean for me now to take testosterone and transition from a mezzo soprano to a baritone and then to have students to go like whoa that whoa these people wow and and then you you break down these barriers right They're these are humans we are humans so um that i think is is some things that i've learned and just to sort of sum this up for for me that i'm learning is when we ask and when we're curious and when we assume that each person will have their answers and that they're resourceful and whole there's um there's space for this kind of inclusivity sorry Estella, <laughs>
4: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm jumping out of the bushes now. Um, I'm loving all this passion um, and excitement around this this topic. I wanted to throw in just a couple things. Um, on my website, on drumbreakquarters.com, I actually have a page for careers in music, um, which details like a bunch of different you know options. Um, so under the um, careers that I talk about in there. Um, that are where you actually play your instrument. There's so much in there, chamber music player, commercial player, orchestral player, private service band trumpet player, uh, university level, wedding trumpet player. There's just so many options. But then I also include a bunch of other options on um, careers that are in music, but where you don't actually play as the main source of income such as church choir director, a composer, Sample. um conductors, um, instrument, mouthpiece, accessory makers, instrument repair, music business management, which will be huge. If you're thinking about getting into that, get into it now, it's a great idea. Um, music journalism, uh, music therapy, record studio careers, I mean, there's just the, the, all the options are out there. And like Marcus is, was saying, and well, everybody here is just, you know, we have this three options sort of, of thing, idea in music school. Um, But yeah, it it is a fallacy. It's absolutely not true. And um, going into the topic of, you know, teaching the whole human, I wish everybody just had teachers like you guys that are here, because if it was like that, you know, so many people would be at many different places in their lives that maybe they would have liked better. Um, A personal experience, I have a student, Jaden, who is transgender and um the very first day she came to my home for lessons um i knew she was transgender and i said hey my name is estella aragon my pronouns are she her hers what are your pronouns and and you could just see her face it just lit up she was like oh she her hers thank you for asking nobody ever asks and i'm like well i mean you know it's only what you do and and i could just tell she was so comfortable um, because she felt accepted. And I came to find out, she actually did go to music school for trumpet performance for only a couple of years. And she quit because of differences with her teacher of how she should look on stage, how she's supposed to present herself. Um, lo and behold, she actually did uh, two or three terms, I think of, um, Mary Bowden's Apex Trumpet Symposium. And she was one of the best in there from what Mary was telling me, she totally killed it. And so it really kind of makes me wonder, I mean, she's a fantastic player. Where could she have gone had she gotten that support that she needed at that time in her life where she was probably just figuring things out. You know, so yes, teaching the whole human. That's what it's all about. And it's never too late. It's never too late to make people feel welcome and, and good in who they are
2: if I can add just one small thing onto this is especially I found as you know a person of color which I still we have all these labels for what we call ourselves and you know BIPOC person of color black African American like all this stuff I think truly you know as a college student who went through you know I was in university, when these protests were going on for Michael Brown, for Tamir Rice, for all of these different, you know, you know, police brutality events, and on top of that, like, got to Yale. Yale police had driven off campus and shot, you know, a New Haven resident in their car. We had protests throughout that time, and now, you know, being at UCLA and having just 2020 exist, you know, um, I'm not blind to what happens in the real world. And um, that does, you know, students, especially, you know, students of color at times have to work particularly hard to be present um, and pretend like some of these things aren't happening. Um, I remember last year I was finishing uh, a a class, you know, right when all the protests started happening. And um, this teacher wanted me to submit, you know, a 15 page um, final essay. And at the time, I also had to move um, out of the place I was at um, because of different like COVID situations and and different things were changing. And so part of, you know, for that class, I got a B because I, um, you know, I didn't really really feel like, okay, writing this 15 page paper is the most important thing to do right now. Instead, I started a talk series um, called the Common Ground series where I got uh, it basically was like a great month of, of, I think it was July maybe or June, where um, it's all cataloged on Facebook for the Common Ground series. Um, And I got groups of people together to talk about different issues of what was happening in the music world, like to actually assess like, where are we? First panel was a black artist panel. Um, And we talked about, you know, I had uh, Coco Smith who was on uh, the Book of Mormon on Broadway, um, you know, talking about, her experience and, and having, you know, an artist from the Yale School of Art talk about his experience of, of being, you know, a Black artist in, you know, the art world. So having these conversations was super important. And then Um, you know, we talked about K through 12 music equity, we talked about jazz music, does it serve the black community? We talked, had a whole panel of black female brass players talking about one, just meeting that had never really happened before and talking about, you know, what we wanted to see going forward. So in all of this, you know, part of what I think especially, you know, people in positions of power should be mindful of is that um, students, especially students, you know, of color during these times, it, It's hard to process and to keep up with what is happening. And so, making sure that, especially, you know, we are human, we do experience, you know, issues that that talk, that touch our communities. And so, being able to speak about those um, in spaces where you're being mentored, where maybe you're giving private lessons or you have bands, you know, having a space where you feel comfortable to talk about that is really important. Um, And I knew the spaces on campus where I could talk about it. I knew the people I could not talk about it with, and that really made a difference um, overall.
1: I um, Speaking of that, I just wanted to share something that we um, had at Longy that I want to share this resource with everyone. And so I don't know if any of you have heard of Philip Yule. Um, Philip Yule is a researcher that's really like trying to transform the way that music theory, yes, um, is all centered on the white male frame. And so these six um, blogs that he wrote and his entire lecture series um, are all about confronting racism and sexism in American music theory. But what we came to is, especially listening to our students of color, they were they're just they're like, what is this? And why are we not talking about this? And then we you know, had Philip Yule come in and all of us just started breathing like, wow, how, for us, like I was like, I n- never even thought, never even thought. But for, you know, uh, people who are black, they have been thinking about this their entire training. So I wanted to bring that up and share that. And then the other resource that is so huge and powerful that I um, reference a lot in terms of these kind of um, understanding racial. Um, systemic racist roots of our kind of music education pieces. And I'm sure this has been disseminated before, but this, oh, maybe it's a weird document, Google Docs. It was embedded, but it's this whole um, document about um, songs with questionable past and how can you actually understand and learn about these kind of racist, um, misogynistic, um, yeah, roots of these, of... um, these songs that we kind of just grew up, um, singing. So I wanted to drop those resources in there because I think they're really important to mention in this light of this conversation here too.
0: Those are so amazing. And if anyone has any questions specifically, you can send me an email, um, because I can get you in touch with any one of these amazing human beings. Thank you guys so much. You four are wonderful and I appreciate you humans so much. And thank you for Mm -hmm sharing your words of wisdom and spending time with us. I I know I learned tons and wrote down a bunch and have a lot more reading to do. And I hope everyone else enjoyed this as well.
5: Uh, Thank you, Ashley, for putting it together. Thank you all of you uh, for joining us. It is just, this is why we come out of the silos at Rising Tide, right? Because the through lines, each one of these panels features a different kind of sector and to hear in my, you know, a bazillion, because I'm like Methuselah old, a bazillion years of <laughs> music education, you know, what's the cross-pollination? And, you know, I think people get are shocked, right? When people in the bubbles are shocked when they hear outside the bubble. And I'm just hoping that uh, folks are figuring out that uh, the community around these issues, around pushing forward is bigger than we think, right? And we're more powerful than we know because we have all four arms on the body doing the work, right? It's not We're not isolated here and here and here and here, right? And when we walk as if we are a whole body, we shall overcome as the song says. So. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley, Chloe, Marcus, Estella. Uh, Thank you for being our new friends. We shall see more of you, I hope.
0: Thank you for listening to Diversify the Stand. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. If you'd like to support us and our projects, find us on social media and visit our website. We now have a store where you can pick up some Diversify the Stand gear. And as always, a huge thank you to Trevor Weston and Whitney George for allowing us to use their compositions in our podcast. The musical introduction is Trevor's trumpet duet, Fanfare for Changes, and the ending music is Whitney's Incantations for Trumpet and Piano. Both composers' websites are listed in the podcast description. Until next week, what's on your stand?